Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. Every Wednesday, we talk about a movie we've enjoyed. We throw in some trivia facts for you during the conversation. Please like us at Facebook.com slash Screen Facts. Post your comments or questions there as well. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email ScreenFacts at Yahoo.com. My good pal, my brother from another mother, my best man, Tim Donnelly, joins me today. Hello, hello. Hello again, sir. Hola. We are going to discuss one of the all-time classic yes. comedies. And for the month of September, since it's back to school for most kids, of course, there are some kids who are already back to school. True. Sad. Which, My condolences. Yeah, which is amazing to me. We thought that this month we would make a theme month for the Screen Facts podcast, all school-themed movies. So we can think of no better movie to kick off the back-to-school theme than... <laughs> National Lampoon's Animal House. Animal House. <laughs> we already did Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Right. Kind of right. dropped the ball on that one, didn't we? <laughs> it's all good. Animal House released July 28th, 1978. Of course, an amazing ensemble cast. Yes. Headed up by John Belushi. Karen Allen in her film debut. This was uh, a few years before uh, Raiders, of, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, by and Mary actually, Ravenwood. Yeah, and actually, we talked about it on the Raiders podcast that it was because of her performance in this movie that Spielberg wanted her for Raiders. Nice. So there you go. Way to go, Karen. Yeah, Tom Hulse, who of course went on to Amadeus. Amadeus. Amadeus did he win an Oscar Amadeus? for that? He did not. Uh, F. Murray Abraham, I believe, won the Oscar oh, okay. for that movie. Was he nominated? I oh. think he was. Stephen First, aka Flounder. <laughs> you guys playing cards? <laughs> Peter Riegert, who I don't remember seeing him in too much after this, other than The Mask with Jim Carrey. Right. He's the detective in The Mask. Tim yeah. Matheson. Ah. <laughs> you going out tonight, Otter? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was uh, Chevy Chase's co-star in, in Fletch. Fletch. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Right. James Widows, the Hoover. father. Yeah, but he was the father in Charles in Charge, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think you might be right about Mark that. Metcalf. Oh, so good. Whose only other film credit that I can think of, and, and you know, I'm sure he's been in other stuff too, right. but he was in One Crazy Summer with That's John right. Cusack. With that, that mustache, yeah, that, yeah. that greasy, oily mustache. He's trying to build that big hotel, <laughs> right. waiting right. for his dad to keel over. That's right, that's right. <laughs> But of course, you can't talk about Animal House without talking about the Twisted Sister Twisted videos Sister from the videos. early 80s. That's right. I'm going to confess something right now. Please. And you have to forgive me for this, but <laughs> I saw Animal House quite a few years after it originally came out. Me too. It was something that I might have seen bits and pieces of on TV, but I never saw it straight through. Right. So my introduction to Niedermeyer, I hate to say, was from the Twisted Sister videos. Same here. And, and when I saw the movie for the first time, right. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> now it makes sense. Exactly. Like, who is this guy and why right. is he yelling at the kid in the Twisted Sister video? <laughs> and then I saw Animal House and it made sense. Like, exactly. Okay, I get it. I mean, talk about an amazing use of a pop culture icon right. in a music video. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Bruce McGill and of course Donald Sutherland in a small role. <laughs> So the thing about Donald Sutherland, which is kind of interesting, was that he took the role and he didn't really think it was going to be a big hit. He thought, oh, it's, maybe it's a fun movie, but you know, it's probably not going to do very much. A lot of people much. in the studio, too, didn't really think that this was going to be a big hit necessarily, and they needed some kind of bankable star right. in the movie, so they tapped Donald Sutherland. Right, and he was offered a percent of the gross... Or a flat fee of $75,000 for his three days work on the film. He went for the fee, didn't he? He went for the yeah. upfront payment. And listen, when you're a working actor... $75,000 in 1978, that's not jump change. No, for three days work, For three especially. days of work, that's that's a hefty sum. 
had he had a crystal ball <laughs> and knew what this film was going to do in go terms of... Go for the percentage. Yeah, I think you almost always have to go for the percentage. Always go for the percentage. He probably would have made about three or four million dollars more. Wow. <laughs> and back then... Right. To get, especially for three days work, yikes. Not bad. Not bad at all. But despite that, he still said it was the most fun he ever had working on a film, so... And, I mean, it looks like everybody's having fun. Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Kevin Bacon's film debut as well. Yeah, that's right. When he went to the premiere, he wasn't allowed to sit with the rest of the cast because the ushers didn't believe I, that Nobody he was believed in the film. he was actually in the movie, <laughs> so he couldn't get into the premiere. And I remember hearing a story about that when he went into audition, John Landis said to him, can you act smarmy? And Kevin Bacon had no idea what that meant. Oh my God, that's funny. If he didn't know what it meant, he pulled it off great. Right, so he said, I, I just I just figured I'd act like an, an arrogant jerk. Yeah, and, well. And, and it worked. Yeah, yep. Chip, yeah, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Kevin Bacon also calls this his favorite film. So Yeah, uh, almost uh, all of the actors, they, they recall this with, uh, with a lot of fondness and great memories. Yeah, you got to think that it, it was a blast to work on this movie. Right? And as we'll get into, I'm sure later in the podcast, it's sometimes imitated, real life imitated art and vice versa. It did indeed. We yeah. will talk about that. Just want to get through a couple other things. <laughs> yeah, directed, yeah, yeah. Directed by John Landis. Yes. Ivan Reitman was the producer. Okay. And he actually wanted to direct he this He did movie. want to direct this, you know, yes. We've talked about this in past podcasts. Written by Harold Ramis, Doug uh -huh. Kenny, and Chris Miller. Some uh, some pretty big National Lampoon guys. Yeah. Doug Kenny also has a small role in the film as Stork. <laughs> Doesn't say a lot. What the hell are we supposed to do, you moron? And look at Stork here. Everybody thought Stork was brain damaged. <laughs> Estimated budget of $3 million. Lifetime domestic gross, including re-releases and everything else, $141.6 million. Not bad. Not bad Yeah, that's a, that's a huge profit. Oh, yeah. Chris Miller, by the way, uh, he claims that he based a lot of the things in the film uh, on his own experiences at Dartmouth. And I didn't go away to college. I had to commute because, you know, I had to work a couple of jobs to pay my own way through. But all of my friends who went away to school and either they joined a fraternity or they lived in off-campus housing, every single one of them inevitably compares their experience to Animal House. See, like, I was everybody thinks... They had the animal house. Oh, at how school, funny. You know, I hate to think that some of the stuff that goes on in this movie really happens. To <laughs> right. Mannequins flying through windows and things like that <laughs> seems a little much. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think uh, Harold Ramis said that he based some of what he wrote on his real life experience sure. as well. So, yeah, there's probably a lot of uh, reality, you know, and then, of course, played up a little bit for laughs. I'm of sure. course, of course. There was a decent amount of sort of method acting in this movie, too, which, you know, seems kind of weird for a comedy. Sure. But to get into character... There was some real-life uh, resentment on the set between the Deltas and the Omegas, and part of it was planned and part of it wasn't. To get into character, despite being warned against mixing with the students, mm -hmm. the actors playing the Deltas, they got an invitation from some girls to attend a real frat party at the University of Oregon, which is where the, uh, the movie was filmed. Right. All except John Belushi. Belushi was flying back and forth to New York twice a week to shoot the movie while working on SNL at the same time. The real fraternity members resented these hotshot Hollywood actors kind of coming <laughs> in and muscling in on their territory mm -hmm. and, no pun intended, fraternizing with the girls right. in a sorority. So uh, James Widows, uh, chapter president, yes. uh, started Super. a brawl. We threw a beer at some drunk football players, and then a big brawl started. Widows actually lost a few teeth. Bruce McGill, D-Day, got a black eye. When Belushi got back from New York and heard about the fight, he actually wanted to go after the football players that did this <laughs> and had to be physically restrained from doing so. Just like Bluto. Yes. That's what Bluto would do. Which is really funny. Hey, what's yeah. this lying around shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Germans? Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> That's right. 
But uh, the actors playing the Deltas and Omegas ribbed each other and harassed each other off screen as well. Yes. To, they wanted to kind of keep that animosity right. fresh and happening even off screen and or they off camera. They remained largely separate mm-hmm. from each other during filming. Yeah, in fact, Mark Metcalf, Niedermeyer, mm-hmm. changed his hotel room to the one above Bruce McGill's where the Delta actors were partying every night. Right. The parties are story of legend, right? It, it, it turned into a real animal house. Yeah, uh, you know. Yes, yeah, so, because he wanted to feel that anger of, of the noise they were making and kind of you know put that into his character. So pretty cool. Yeah, whatever works, man. Yeah, it, sh- it shows in the film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the one person that was kind of kept away from all of that was John Belushi. Belushi, yeah, on uh, purpose. John, yeah, John Landis said, "Look, this guy's got a history of of really getting mm-hmm. carried away with drugs right. and alcohol." Right. Landis said, "My job is to keep him <laughs> sober and alive, so so that he can." be in the film exactly yeah so the university of oregon gave the production 30 days to complete filming wow the cast and crew worked six days a week and completed shooting with only two days to spare i can understand they probably didn't want the disruption on campus sure it wasn't the university of oregon almost their their last resort if the university of oregon said no i don't think they had an actual college campus to shoot at because every other place they petitioned said no yeah, they had gone to a couple of other schools, and and the other schools read the script and went, uh, uh-uh. yeah, we <laughs> it's kind of understandable. So. Hey, for whatever reason, uh, University of Oregon said yes, and yeah, they had pretty, they much, did. pretty much unfettered access. I think yeah. the scene where with the horse—that's really the dean's office, oh, the wow. president of the university. <laughs> they were allowed access to his office, and they they were allowed to bring a horse in there, <laughs> right? <laughs> a dead horse. Yeah, there's so much stuff in this movie that you could never get away with now. No, yeah, I, I, it's just I too sensitive of a time. Yeah, cruelty to animals. There are lots and, of politically incorrect oh things God, in this yeah. movie, no doubt. One of the big things in the movie that certainly is very controversial then and more so now when you watch it is the scene at the Dexter Lake Club. Right, 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 right. You know, I'm jumping ahead in the movie, but it's funny as shit. But there would yeah. be a, a protest today yeah. about that. Universal Pictures president Ned Tannen objected to that. He said, you know, we show this, there's going to be race riots in the right, theaters. Right. You know, it's crazy. Landis showed it to Richard Pryor, <laughs> who, who was kind of like the guy who was the pulse at that time. Right. He's he's your litmus test. You got to remember, this is a couple of years after Blazing Saddles. Right. Which Richard Pryor has a writing credit on. Exactly. And was supposed to be uh, Bart in the film. Exactly. And, and you know, they throw the N-word around in that movie like it's mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. You know? So Landis showed the movie to Richard Pryor, and then he wrote a note to Tannen saying, Ned, Animal House is fucking funny, and white people are crazy. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. It's like getting a blessing from the Pope. If Richard Pryor says it's exactly. funny, then, it, then it's and funny. And that's the thing. Back then, he was kind of the, the guy that could tell you, hey, you know, that's probably not going to fly with the black community, right, you know? Right, And then, of course, the stuff with the horse is very, you know, I mean, PETA would be all over that now. Absolutely. Obviously, we don't condone racism. We don't condone cruelty to animals in of any way. Of course not. But, you know, you also have to look at the movie for what it is. It's a goofy comedy. Within the context of its time. Exactly. And, you know, as far as the horse, obviously, they didn't really hurt the horse. No, of course not. And that's the thing with these comedies you got to take them with a grain of salt you can't get so you know worked up over things let's talk about your first memories of the movie if, can, if we can do that sure and another one of those uh, like uh, we spoke about in the police academy podcast mm-hmm. kind of wasn't allowed to see right. by right. my parents so that added uh, a little bit more of an allure and an attraction for me to want to see it uh, the first time I saw it, somebody had a copy of it on videotape uh, when I was in high school. Like, okay. you know, somebody was having a party and put in Animal House, and I think they did a back-to-back of Animal House and Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> we, we, like, we were just up all night wetting ourselves laughing at both of them. Yeah, talk about like uh, rites of passage for yes. teenage boys, right? Absolutely. I don't remember the first time I saw this movie 
in its entirety uncut. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely after, like I said before, the Twisted Sister videos with Niedermeyer. Yes. This one's just one of those movies that you keep going back to over and over again because it's just classic. I own it on Blu-ray, right. but every single stinking time it's you get on TV, in. I stop what I'm doing and I sit down <laughs> and I'll watch Animal House. It's just great. Yeah. It's classic. So John Belushi, to me, even though it's an ensemble cast, you know, if you really break it down, Belushi's role in this movie is is sort of secondary. Yeah, it's kind of a supporting role, really. Yeah, I mean, it's really, Otter is probably like the main guy. Yeah, Otter right? and Boone, yeah. I guess. The Otter two and of them. Boone, and then, and then, you know, their interaction with the Omegas and stuff. Right. But Belushi is so great that he steals every scene he's in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he does, he makes you laugh so hard without even saying anything right. most of the time it's in this physical movie. comedy as well. I mean, you you can see why Chris Farley... Oh, wanted yeah. To, wanted to emulate him. Oh, kind of absolutely. bigger, you know, heftier guys, but remarkably uh, physical and agile. Oh, yeah. The stuff like when, when they're sneaking the horse into the, the dean's office mm-hmm. and he's on the lawn and he's doing the, uh, you know. Right. He's looking around. He's looking around <laughs> and he's, you know, doing like rolls and stuff on the right, ground and right. all that. And the other thing, too, that I should mention now, as long as we're talking about that and John Belushi, is uh, Elmer Bernstein's score. Yeah. We've talked about him on past podcasts. He's a guy that, that scored a lot of great comedies and a lot of great movies. Sure. You can't not talk about that when you talk about Animal House because right. it's such a big part of the movie, too. I believe when, when Landis approached him to do the score, he was a little hesitant at first, and Landis said, look, this is a comedy. It's supposed to be a comedy, but I want you to score it like a serious film. <laughs> score it like you would score any serious drama. Yeah. There's some great scoring to, to John Belushi's antics in this movie. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> and I can't hear the Sam Cooke song, Wonderful World. No, no, much of Yes. Yeah, without picturing John Belushi pushing that. In the cafeteria. Yeah, pushing the lunch tray pushing down the lunch line with his belly. <laughs> and just shoving all that food in his mouth oh, and, 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 and his pockets and everything. It wasn't part of that improv The whole thing. The whole thing was improv The whole improv'd. thing was improv John Landis said, hey, you know, to the camera operator, mm-hmm. just stay on him. Stay with him. <laughs> stay on Belushi. Because they don't know what's going to happen. Right. When he shoves that entire hamburger in his oh mouth. My God. He doesn't obviously eat it and swallow it. Right. But you see him shove the entire thing in his mouth and then they cut away. Yeah. That ain't CGI. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Just everything he does, it's so gross, but so funny. Yeah. And then just the way he works his eyebrows mm-hmm. and all that. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. That's it. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> that scene, see if you can guess what I am now. I'm a zit. Get it? Get it. That was improvised. The reaction from the other actors completely natural. Is right, 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 uh, and that speaks to to his and some of the other actors' uh, background in National Lampoon, mm-hmm. the National Lampoon radio show, right, where they improved. And then the other John Belushi scene that I want to talk about really quick. Actually, there's a couple more <laughs> we're talking about. We might as well just we get can it make all a whole podcast about, John, about Belushi. John Belushi's Absolutely. role in Animal House. We're probably going to spend a lot of time talking about him. I love the scene where he conveniently finds the ladder <laughs> to put up to the window, of course, of the sorority house, right. And what's funny about that is the noise he's making, there's no way they wouldn't know he's there. <laughs> of course. And, you know, and the noise of him moving the ladder over on the side of the house. Even when he puts the ladder against the right. house. The noise is completely exaggerated for effect. Oh, absolutely. Hilarious. And, of course, you know, he's standing there and he's, he's peering in the window and you see his reflection in the window, <laughs> right, which is great. Right. And then he kind of turns to the camera and he breaks the fourth wall and just with one eyebrow kind exactly. of you know, gives, gives a little wink to the camera. Brilliant. Brilliant. And then when he, you know, like you said, when he moves the ladder over to Mandy's room right. to watch her undress, and she's standing, she's looking right at the yeah, window. There's right. no way she's not seeing him. doesn't it, even see him. Which is really funny. And then, of course, when he falls, you, right. can, you could clearly see there's a, like a airbag or something right. on the ground. Right, there's, there's a mat made of yeah. grass yeah. on the ground. <laughs> but it's still funny. It's still, yes, it's it still classic. And then 
the other John Belushi thing that I think we should talk about is uh, when the guy's playing the guitar on the stairs. Stephen Bishop. Stephen Bishop. Stephen Bishop, who wrote the, uh, I believe, wrote and performed the title song to the movie. Exactly. The uh, the, the old hose. Yeah, during the end credits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's Stephen Bishop. Bishop. So when he's on the, I gave my love a chicken that had no bone. So <laughs> Belushi, when he breaks that guitar. Right, yeah. Totally improvised. Improv- yep, that's right. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so funny. And that was like the only damage that they did to that house during the entire production when they broke the guitar against it, which is amazing. Right? Because the house itself looked like it had been napalmed. Yeah. <laughs> the fraternity that occupied that house, they actually framed the hole in the wall. John Belushi John was Belushi here. John Belushi was so- here, right. <laughs> Oh, man, so funny. I think I, I remember hearing or reading somewhere John Landis said that Belushi did that because that was kind of a deliberate knock on those kinds of schmaltzy singer-songwriters oh, who, who were, were kind of big. <laughs> during the 70s. Uh, during the yeah. 70s, yeah. Even though the movie takes place in 62. Right, right. But yeah. But it's still, you know, made in the 1970s and yeah. of its time. Absolutely. As long as we're talking about music, let's talk about the soundtrack. I mean... Oh, it is! Yeah, of course, you know, Animal House almost wouldn't be Animal House without right, Shout. Without by, Shout by Otis Day in the Nights. Right. That, of course, has gone on to become a big song at parties, yes. weddings, other things. Everybody gets into it, right. just like uh, they do in the movie. Right. Dwayne Jesse, who plays Otis Day in the movie, actually legally changed his name. I was going to say, du- who's Dwayne Jesse? Exactly. I, I know of no one by that name. I only know... <laughs> Otis Day. That's right. He legally changed his name to Otis Day, began touring and recording with Otis Day and the Knights. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. And uh, I don't know if he still does, but hey, you might as well uh, take advantage of your notoriety from the movie and After go After this, there. you and I should take a ride by the Dexter Lake Club. <laughs> there you go. Otis, my man. My man. <laughs> he loves us. Wait till Otis sees us. He loves us. <laughs> Another famous musician is in the Knights. That's right. Robert Cray. The great blues guitarist, singer, songwriter, Robert Cray. Smoking Gun was his big hit. Robert Cray still tours and still performs, and he's still awesome. Yeah, he's the bass player in the Knights. Nice. And from what I was reading, he helped organize the band. He got all those guys together to, to be the band. All right. Yeah. And then there's all kinds of other songs of the time, too, like Paul and Paula that they sing when they're getting stoned. Right, right. They're in the bathtub. Hey. Hey, hey Paula. <laughs> Twisting the Night Away. There's mm-hmm. just a bunch. Of, and of course, Louie Louie is the other one. Oh, of course. Louie Louie. I forget the year it was, but the FBI, your tax dollars hard at work, my friend. <laughs> That's right. The FBI once did a study of the lyrics of Louie Louie and mm-hmm. officially pronounced them unintelligible and they have no idea what the song is about. We figured that out without spending millions of dollars. <laughs> right, right, right. We could have told you that. That's the great thing about the scene in the movie where they're singing to the song mm-hmm. at, at the party. Right. And they're just kind of... That's all you have to do. And right. That's Louis, And then you go, Louie, Louie. Right. Whoa, whoa. And that's really all you need. That's it. Right. That's it. Yeah, other than that, you can just kind of <laughs> mumble your way through the rest of the song. Yes, folks. Officially declared by the FBI to be nonsensical. <laughs> Thank God they figured that out. <laughs> Thank you. So like most of the films that get made, the people that we see in the movie that are obviously great and unforgettable right. weren't necessarily the first choices for sure. the roles. You and I inevitably come back to this theme in the podcast that we make together. Uh, mm. We like to talk about other actors that were considered for the roles, and uh, you really couldn't picture anybody else in the role. Right. But, uh, yeah, we like to talk about this. So Harold Ramis wrote the part of Boone for himself. 
Right, it wasn't supposed to go to Peter Rieger. Right. John Landis thought he was too old, which is interesting because Ramis was 32 at the time, Peter Rieger 29. Right, 29. But I guess, you know, the way they looked, maybe. John Landis actually offered Harold Ramis a smaller role in the film, but he was so disappointed that he couldn't be Boone that he just said, Then he said, ah, to hell with it. Yeah. The movie only would have been better with him in it, probably. Sure. But at the same time, you know. Peter Rieger is great. Yeah, he's, he's, he's terrific. He's great. <laughs> Absolutely. D-Day. D-Day! Bruce McGill gets the role in the movie, but it was written for Dan Aykroyd. However, uh, according to John Landis, Saturday Night Live producer Lorne Michaels threatened to fire Aykroyd if he took the role. Now, can you imagine John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd together in this movie? I can, but I don't need to, because (laughs) two years after Animal House, we got the Blues Brothers. Right, which of course is another classic, which has been discussed on this very podcast. Indeed it has, and also directed by John Landis. There you go. So producer Ivan Reitman's original choices for the roles of Boone and Otter were Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. <laughs> Chevy Chase. Again, how amazing would they have been? And again, you don't need to imagine them together in a scene <laughs> because two years after you get them in Caddyshack. Exactly. Directed by Harold Ramis and produced by Doug Kinney. There you go. Landis didn't think Chevy was right for the part and convinced him to star in Foul Play instead. Okay. He said that Animal House was more of an ensemble film and his talents would, I guess, not be put to use as well. And I mentioned earlier that coincidentally, the actor who plays Otter, Tim Matheson, co-stars with Chevy in Fletch. In Fletch, right. And actually, uh, Bill Murray did Meatballs the year after this. Directed by Ivan Reitman. By Ivan Reitman. So, yeah, I mean, these, this was like a group of people. Yeah, they're all, making some, all connected. Making right. some funny shit. Right. They all kind of had a connection. Yeah. yeah. Almost like uh, like Judd Apatow's circle. Exactly. All, all, all those, uh, those men and women who do those movies today. Yep. Yeah, kind of like the same thing. Yeah, and that's kind of cool to be talked about in the same sentence as these guys. Oh, certainly. yeah. And they're equally funny, I think, for what they do. Yes. Meatloaf was the second <laughs> choice for Bluto in case John Belushi dropped out. That's awesome. To get the role of Niedermeyer, Mark Metcalf lied about being able to ride right. horses. <laughs> can you ride a horse? Yeah, of course I can ride a sure. horse. Shit, I don't know how to ride a horse. Yeah, so, he t- <laughs> so he took riding lessons. Uh, right. Niedermeyer, he may be my favorite character in the movie. He's pretty awesome. Every time he opens his mouth, yeah. I, I wet myself. Oh, yeah. He's, 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 he's funny. so despicably funny. Yeah. I mean, even the subtle stuff, like when he, when they're all sitting on the lawn in front of the house and he's got that cigarette in his mouth, right. like, like FDR. Pretentious <laughs> yeah. jerk. He's just a great, obnoxious villain type. Yeah, he is. He just looks like that character, too, mm-hmm. you know, without a doubt. <laughs> I love the difference of the initiation for the two fraternities, yes. too. Yes, yeah. I mean, they're all, like, they're wearing hooded robes and they got candles lit. We will now consecrate the bond of obedience. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Right, exactly. In Delta House, they're just, you They're know. singing Louie Louie. Right, exactly. <laughs> he's got the book in front of right. him. Right, like and what reading. exactly is he swearing them in on? The funny thing about that is that it sounds like he's making up the whole thing on the spot anyway. Right. I, I, state your name, state your name. name. <laughs> <laughs> Do hereby pledge allegiance to the frat with liberty and fraternity for all. Amen. <laughs> But he's actually holding an auto repair manual, <laughs> which I think is really It's funny. not even the Delta Fraternity's bylaws or history. It's an auto manual. According to a backstory that's somewhere out there for Animal House, mm-hmm. the fraternity's actual pledge book was destroyed in a fire three years earlier. <laughs> so rather than replace that... I don't doubt. A fire probably set by Belushi. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. <laughs> Who's been in college for several years yeah. at this point. I think he's a seven. Right, actually. seven years oh, of seven college years down, down the drain. drain. <laughs> From now on, your Delta Talk High name is Pinto. Why Pinto? Blech. Why not? <laughs> Dorpin, give this a lot of thought. Your Delta Talk High name is Flounder. Flounder. <laughs>
And for whatever reason, that really fits him. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, he's, a, he's a flounder. He's flounder. He's flounder. According to James Widows, who plays Hoover, neither he or any of the other principal Delta actors, John Belushi, Tim Matheson, Peter Rieger, Tom Hulse, Stephen First, or Bruce McGill, had ever belonged right. That's to right. a college fraternity. They never in a college frat. Couple of other casting notes that are kind of cool. Stacy Grumman, who plays Flounder's girlfriend Sissy in the movie, was an actual student at the University of Oregon. Oh, cool! The female clerk that sells Flounder the marbles for the parade sabotage. <laughs> Can I have ten thousand marbles, marbles, please? <laughs> that was actually Stephen First's real life wife. No kidding. You don't see her face though. One of the stories I heard about Stephen First is that he was uh, delivering pizza. Oh, wow. While he was, you know, trying to become uh, a working professional actor. Mm -hmm. And so inside the pizza boxes, he would tape his headshot and resume. Oh, nice. To the inside of the pizza boxes. Because you never know, right? Exactly, because you never know. How funny. Since we're talking about Flounder, after they trash his brother's car... And he's, and he's. What am I gonna tell Fred? Bluto's trying to cheer him up. Yeah, doing his uh, exactly. If you can see us right now, we're we're we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're imitating we're John Belushi. <laughs> But the scene where he smashes the bottle over his head, obviously it's a fake bottle, right, but right. still, it took 18 takes because Stephen first kept laughing, which is understandable. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know how they keep a straight face in any of these scenes, right. where, especially with Belushi. Right. My advice is to start drinking heavily. You better listen to him. He's pre-med. <laughs> He's pre-med. Oh, man. <laughs> couple of other key scenes in the movie that mm-hmm. uh, every time you talk about Animal House, you think of the food fight. Right. I remember even before I saw the movie, knowing about that scene for whatever reason. It yeah. was probably because it was always in commercials on TV for the movie. Other than John Belushi yelling, food fight, that whole scene was filmed in one shot. Single shot. So they, they had to get it. They yeah. had to get it right. <laughs> and so they were encouraged to obviously go for it when they were throwing the food. Sure. Which must have been a blast. To oh, do. man. To it be in the middle so of that fun. on a movie set. Yeah, that had to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But another scene that was filmed in one shot is when uh, they're initiating the pledges at the grocery mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. I'm designating you a uh, pledge representative to the social committee. That's oh, great. What do I have to do? Drive us to the food king. Food king. Food king. Food king. <laughs> they're throwing groceries and stuff at Flounder, and he, he catches them yeah. all. Well, catches most of them. Uh, that was also done in one take. And Landis and Matheson were both doing that off camera. They were completely blown away by how well he caught everything. Right. I mean, you know. And you can kind of see, I think if you look closely, uh, Stephen first toward toward the end of that yeah. scene kind of start to laugh yeah. and just shrug his shoulders like, ah, oh, to yeah. hell with it, I'm not going to catch him. Yeah, all. I so, mean, yeah. That's, but it's classic. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about another great character in the movie? How about John Vernon as Dean Wormer? Oh my God. He's fantastic. Oh, he's so great. I think John Landis is uh, told John Vernon, he goes, I want you to play him like Richard Nixon. And he does. Yeah. Well, as of now, they're on double secret probation. <laughs> Whatever that is. There was a little-known codicil in a favorite college constitution that grants the dean unlimited power at times of crisis. The time has come for someone to put his foot down, and that foot is me. So, uh... Get Who ex- delivered the medical school cadavers to the <laughs> alumni dinner? Who dumped a truckload of fizzies? into the swim meet. Every fall... Uh, the trees are covered with toilet paper. Every spring, the toilets explode. You're talking about Delta House. Of course I'm talking about, about Delta House, you twerp! You twerp. <laughs> Ah, it's great. <laughs> Once they get expelled and they're all, you know, down and out and Belushi's right. like, you know, gives his That's speech. That's when he gives the big speech. A year later, Bill Murray does that in Meatballs. Right, you know, the, right. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't, right. So, of course, they take Fred Dorfman's car. Right. They redesign it. <laughs> Into the, the float. Death Mobile. The, the parade sequence was actually shot on the Universal backlot in the same section where Robert Zemeckis filmed Back to the Future, uh, the clock tower sequence. Oh, very cool. Now, as you know, I like to watch the movie again right before I do the podcast with you. And every once in a while, I'll pick up on something that, for whatever reason, I've missed the last thousand times I've watched the movie. So what'd you pick up this time? 
I never realized that the Oldsmobile dealership that they crash into mm-hmm. right before the mayor starts strangling right. the dean. Carmine DePestos. Yeah, that, that's his. That's Oldsmo- his Oldsmobile, that's his Oldsmobile dealership. Yeah. I never, I never put that together yep. until uh, this viewing for whatever reason. I thought he was just you know choking him because that was like the final straw. Everything else right. going on. So funny. And I love when cool. he talks to him about a donation from the college to have the parade in the town, and he's like. I don't think it's fair for you to extort money. <laughs> he goes, well, you know, uh, you're going to be using my sanitation, the police, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And if you talk about extortion again, I'll have your, your legs, legs broken. broken. <laughs> <laughs> ah, politics. Well, I think a nice little honorarium <laughs> could be arranged. Uh... Obviously, the parade sequence is is so funny. Oh, it's I mean, great. It's, it's, it's haphazard. It's, it's very, very funny. Can my kid stand in front of you? He can't see. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. And those two guys? Yeah. That's Doug Kenny and Chris Miller. Oh, okay. I don't yep. know how I missed yep. that, too. Two of the writers of the movie. If you're looking at the screen, Doug, Doug Kenny as Stork yeah. is to your left, okay. and Chris Miller, whose character in the movie is named Hardbar, okay. is to your right. I probably recognize Kenny. I just never realized Chris Miller had a part yep. in the movie, that's too. that's Chris Miller. Very good. No. Cool. No, <laughs> that's great. And then um, the way Hoover is dressed with the sunglasses and the long jacket, and he's holding the, the case with the chain. And right. I mean, completely obvious. Of like, how nobody it is. says, gee, what's going yeah, people on? People are watching this guy yeah. hook up a chain to the parade float. And then, of course, cut the cake in the <laughs> death mobile. Right. Ramming speed! <laughs> <laughs> Just the way they filmed the crashing into the grandstand, the bodies Everybody flying, flying up. up yeah, and, yeah. so good. And then all of the great things that they say. What happens to the Yeah, what happens afterward. to the characters. They all make perfect sense, too. The last time you see you do where it says Daniel Simpson Day, whereabouts unknown. Yeah. Just this wailing banshee scream he yeah. lets out before he peels out in the police car. Great stuff. Yeah. You would think that for a, a movie this successful, and uh, you, you hear stories about during the, the test screening, the stiff studio executives, they weren't sure, they didn't think it was funny, and then they started showing it in test screenings, and like, people were literally tearing the seats out and yeah. tearing the cushions out rolling in the aisles and, and laughing and screaming you would think that there would have been uh, a sequel they actually had planned a sequel to the movie the movie was going to take place in 1969 the deltas um, were going to get together for otter's wedding seven years later. seven years later unfortunately more american graffiti the sequel to that film uh, bombed okay it bombed at the box office right. and universal kind of said "Ooh, maybe this is not gonna be received well either because american graffiti was a big hit right and that was sort of a period piece and then the sequel bombed, so I don't know, maybe we should kind of hold off. And they stalled production. Wow. And then it, it ended up getting scrapped for good when John Belushi, Belushi died. Belushi dies in 1982. Right, and yeah. there's no Animal House sequel oh, no. without John Belushi. Hell no. Yes, it's an ensemble piece, but yeah, without John Belushi, no. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you coming in to record with me, as always. I love it. One of my one of my all-time favorite comedies. Was happy <laughs> to, uh, to come in and talk about this and share some laughs. Yes, thank you, sir. And thank you for listening. Please remember to like the Facebook page. Again, it's facebook.com slash screenfacts. Remember, I'm at Jason Davis Voice on Twitter. You can also email us, screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please help others find the show by rating and commenting on iTunes. You can also show your support for the show by ordering Screen Facts merchandise on the podcast page of jasondavisvoice.com. Show theme music by audionautics.com. And thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. 
Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.